Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking Tonight. We're talking football, Raging Cajun football at ULM this weekend with Dave Amato. How are you today, Dave? I'm good. I, uh, you know, obviously a rough weekend uh, for the Cajuns, but I uh, just got my belly full uh, dinner at Luna's downtown, so uh, I'm good. Very nice. Uh, ready to ready to re- regroup and uh, hopefully get a win this weekend. You know, we tried uh, doing this on Google Meets. It, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm just <laughs> Uh, as I closed everything, of course, now it tells me that I have a new recording. So, <laughs> uh, so I'll have to figure that all out, but that we needed to do that anyway, at some point. So very good. We're back on zoom, uh, for a little bit more until I can figure out this whole Google thing. So, uh, and that's more than what anybody else wanted to know. And that's not why we're not here. tonight. <laughs> so, yep. uh, let's get into football. The Cajuns have won, uh, uh, 12 of the last 14 games. And I believe 14 of the last 25 or something like that, uh, 14 of the last 26, actually. But, uh, you know, it's a game that, uh, except for uh, 2020, yep. has been fairly close. Yeah, and- it seems like it doesn't matter uh, what the records are when the, when ULM and UL play. It's always a close game, except for that, what, that one game you, you spoke about. But that that was a game too uh, that um, I forgot who was the running back. I was in the booth and I told uh, I told Gerald and Jay I said I want seventy points and I they said well you're not going to see it. I said just watch. I said somebody's going to bust one open here and run it for a long uh, run, and that's what happened. The third or fourth string back uh, busted one open for a long run downfield. So yeah, gotta like that. But no, in in in. You know, to their credit, ULM has played the Cajuns close, not only played them close, but uh, and it's been mishaps on their part that have really shot them in the foot. Yeah, it's been a lot, a lot of games that have come down to a field goal here or there or a late second, you know, attempt at a field goal or an extra point in some cases that uh, have caused them to lose games. I mean, it's been that close in in a lot of the battles between the two even last year it was a one one score game and we won 21 to 16 um but it was it's always seems to come down to the wire with these two teams and i and and it hasn't been in the most recent years it hasn't been because the two teams are similar in records or anything else it's just you know, ULM gets up, you know, gets up for that game. And, and in a lot of cases, UL is late in the season and not playing for anything more, right? They already know what they've got. They've either won the conference uh, on the Western Division and now they're playing for the, you know, conference championship. And they know they're probably going to the New Orleans Bowl or a bowl similar to it. So there's a, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's a little bit of a letdown, but it's, it's a game that they're looking past a lot of times because they're thinking about the conference championship more than they are against ULM. Yeah. Michael Orphy is the one who had the, the 48 yard touchdown run there in the fourth quarter to, yeah. to seal the deal. <laughs> if you can say that, yeah, <laughs> you know, 70 to 20 game, but uh, let's move on. There's some uh, familiar faces on uh, between the two teams right now. Go ahead and talk a little bit about that while I continue to hiccup. 
Yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, there's, you know, obviously one familiar face that we know of is uh, Matt Viatar, right? He's on our staff now, and he was the coach there at ULM for a long time. And uh, look, he brings a wealth of knowledge. He's a good football guy, right? Uh, was in a kind of a rough situation at, at, at ULM when he was there. And he comes in here and has been, a, a, from all indications that I hear, a really big piece of the, the coaching staff and a big help to the coaching staff. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, he, just having his brain on the sideline is really helpful. He probably knows a handful of these players, although a lot of them have changed because um, uh, Coach Bowden is a big fan of the transfer portal and JUCOs trying to get that team up and running. So, no, I think there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of the players, um, obviously, Lafayette and Monroe aren't terribly far away. A lot of these kids played high school ball against each other. So, um, no, it's, 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 it's very interesting. It's going to be a, I think it's going to be a fun time. It's a game the Cajuns need to, to wake up and play hard against. They've got some good players on this team. Well, you know, you mentioned Coach Vietar being on the other side of the ball and, uh, you know, he, he was at McNeese and Coach Leger was with him and followed him to McNeese. And then uh, Coach Leger had the opportunity to come here. So I think there is a real, uh, they know what the other guys are thinking, I guess, when it comes the for, for the Cajuns and the Warhawks playing each other and how to yeah. get in the head. So let's go ahead and jump right in there to the offensive side of the ball. What are we looking at? You know, uh, I think we talked about it in our in our uh, our preseason review, yeah. but but did did we really learn anything by them playing Texas in Alabama? Yeah, so probably not, right? Um, to me, this is a this is a little bit of an enigma for a team. Um, they've played three games and really haven't gotten a real good grasp of what ULM is, right? They played Texas in the first game, were thoroughly uh, beat badly in that game. They played Nichols, a game they, you know, won easily, which is a, a nice win. We discussed that, you know, I think last week. That was a nice win for them. They needed that, right? Because last year they played Jackson State and struggled mightily to beat Jackson State. This year they handily defeated uh, Nichols, and then they come back and have to face Alabama, right? And 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 you got what you expected out of Alabama against ULM. It was a sixty-three to seven game, and it was never really close. Um, so we don't know. I don't know if we know a ton about this ULM team because they haven't faced anybody that they feel is in their their group, right? And I think they're going to get they you know like the Rice team before. They're coming in with a game that they feel that they are should be on level ground with us, right? Yeah. At least competitive with us. So uh, just one thing we mentioned, the, the winning streak, the, the series is 57 games. Cajun zone, the series record 32 to 25. But let's move on to the quarterback play. Uh, yeah. Rich Rodri is gone. So is his son, Rhett. Where yeah. do we go from here? Yeah, so they uh, – we talked about this in our preseason uh, discussion on the West. They had a little bit of a quarterback battle. Uh, Chandler Rogers, who was mostly the starter last year, um, was competing against Jaya Wright. Jaya Wright was a transfer from Northern Illinois. And uh, I don't think there was much of a battle. I think they, they made it more of a battle than it was. I think Chandler Rogers – was always going to be the guy unless he really had a letdown. 
Um, Jaya Wright's a guy who's an interesting guy. He's a big physical runner, uh, kind of a running back playing quarterback. Chandler Rogers is a dual threat guy. And I think the what he gives him with his arm more than outweighed what Jaya Wright could do with his legs. And then Chandler Rogers is a very good running quarterback as well. So you kind of get both ends of the spectrum with Chandler Rogers, whereas Jaya Wright was going to be a guy who's going to tuck it under and run almost every time he got the ball. Is Jaya Wright still there? Uh, he was on the roster. I, I wondered about that myself. Uh, you know, they've had three blowout games um, with Texas and Alabama and even the Nichols game. And you wondered, hey, what, what's going to happen at, at, as a backup quarterback? I looked on the roster. He is still listed on their roster, but he has not played even though he's listed or had been listed as the number two quarterback on the depth chart. It looks like they've got a, uh, a junior uh, that's done most of the mop-up duty for him. So I'm, I'm assuming he's still on the roster, but he has not played in the game. Okay. Uh, yeah, they uh, – well, unless actually – Unless you heard something that I did. No, no, that's why I was looking at the Alabama game, and that's why I was curious because I noticed that he did not come in – uh, to play quarterback. So, no, yeah. And that's, that's really what I, I, I had to double check that. Cause I was thinking, well, obviously they're going to give their backup quarterback some time in those games. And the guy who's been playing is uh, Garrett Hable uh, from Benton, Louisiana, who's come in and he really wasn't even listed originally on the early season depth chart as the third quarterback. And he seems to be the backup right now. And it might be, again, you're talking about Jaya Wright, who's a runner, you know, 85, 90% of the time is going to run the ball. It might be the case where Garrett Hable has a better arm and they just wanted a guy in there who was going to throw the ball in mop-up duty rather than a guy who was going to tuck it under and run. Right, especially if they know they're uh, – um... Yeah, he's still. I, I'm. I'm having. I'm struggling. I've got their game notes, but I'm struggling to find a too deep from their game notes. So, but uh, let's go. Let's move on to the running back, and I'll let you know if I find anything there. What yeah. do they have at the running back position? Yeah. So at the running back, uh, and we again we discussed this uh, pretty well in the in the early part of the uh, conversations that we've had. That Malik Jackson's their main guy. He's a converted wide receiver, and he's he's actually turned into a pretty good running back for them. Tail end of last year, this year he's gotten off to a slow start. He's only got a three point two yard per carry average. Um, they do split time with another guy, Andrew Henry, who's more of a, a bigger back. He's, he's about 5'10", 193 compared to Jackson, who's only 175 pounds. Uh, but really, and again, it's hard to get a read on him. They have not run the ball well at all. Now, again, you played Alabama and Texas, so it's hard to tell if you're going to run the ball at all. Um, but they really don't have anybody on the team that has really blown you away. Uh, Henry has a 3.7 yard per carry average. And then their third guy is Isaiah Phillips. And he's a little scat back guy, but he's, he's only got 12 carries for 37 yards. So they really don't have a lot of guys who are knocking it out of the park on the running game. That's been a little bit of a yeah, I was able to find their two deep roster, and it does have Jaya Wright still listed as 
uh, the number two quarterback. So let's move on to what is the greatest name in all of college football that he, he's a graduate this year, Mr. Boogie Knight. Yeah, let's talk Boogie, about the receivers. Yeah, Boogie Knight's there, uh, you know, was expected and is expected to be their, their main guy. He had a great year last year. He's a transfer from Ohio State. Uh, did not play much at Ohio State, but transferred from Ohio State to ULM and came in and put up big numbers for a team that wasn't a very good team last year, right? Uh, had 45 catches for almost 500 yards and three touchdowns, but he was their main weapon on offense. Uh, he really has not done anything this year for them. He's, he's only got five catches for 41 yards. And then they've got another guy who was their number two guy last year, Will Derrick. And he's another one that's struggling out of the gate um, he had 25 catches last year, and he's got no catches this year, but they have spread the ball around to some other guys. So that's where, you know, most all of these guys are really new to the, the roster, and they've taken up some of the slack from Boogie Knight and, and Will Derrick. Yeah, I was a little surprised, uh, and, and that may have been a situation. I don't know. It looks like the ball was thrown to him in the Alabama game, but the mm -hmm. Alabama defense just might have taken everything away from him. Okay. And the ball that the ball that was intercepted for a pick six may have been intended for him. I don't know. Yeah. They do have a pretty good JUCO transfer who's come in, Jevin Frett, um, who is leading the team with catches with 11 catches for 141 yards and a touchdown. Um, he's been kind of their main guy, but after that, they kind of spread it around to a lot of different guys. Nobody has more than, you know, six, seven catches on the season. Um, they do have a really good tight end in, in Zach Rasmussen. Uh, he's a 6'4", 227 guy. So he's not a huge, he's a big, tall guy, but he's not a huge guy. Uh, but he's very athletic and he's got six catches and a touchdown on season. So they, they have been going to the tight end a, a decent amount uh, this year. So, yeah, I, it's, it's hard. To, and again, I mean, this is one of those games that uh, it's hard because they play Texas and Alabama and we normally play them at the end of the season. So we get a little bit better idea. But I, I, you know, they did play Nichols well, though, and and they did. to their credit, we struggled against Nichols last year. So, yeah, and they look, they thoroughly handled Nichols, like you alluded to. So it wasn't that you know they they were ever in doubt in that game. Their defense played very well in that game. Um, so yeah, again, it's hard to get a read on them when they those are the three games they played this year, right? You play, yep. you know, two P five, you know, what we think are going to be two. You know, Alabama, of course, being very good. Texas looks like they're improved from last year. And then the Nichols team that, you know, they, they thoroughly handled. So it, it's hard to get a read on them. It's going to be, like I said, you, you're going in with a lot of unknowns on this team. Here's what surprises me a little bit, though. You, you're, you're, you're starting five on the offensive line. Sophomore, 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 freshman, sophomore. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a – for a team that's heavy in junior J JC transfers and, and just transfers in general, that's really odd to me. I mean, but I guess it's good for them. 302, 63, 302, 67, 312, 61, 315, 64, yeah. 331, 66, 316. So, you know, they're not, 
exactly small boys, but that's a little surprise. I mean, it, it is a little bit of surprising that they returned three guys uh, on the starting line. Um, the best player they have is probably Victor Cutler at left tackle, but he's not the biggest guy. He's only, I had him listed at 63292 on the, the chart I saw. I didn't look at their their main website, you know, the ULM website. I was going on a different one. Yeah, uh, he plays left tackle. He started eight games last year, and he's probably going to be a guy that he might be all conference second or third team. Uh, he's a really good player. Peyton Dunn comes back. He'll play left guard this year. Uh, he had ten starts last year, and then um, and then Kadrell uh, Lewis. Uh, will probably be the right tackle, and he had 10 starts last year. So you got those three guys who come back, but it's really been a hodgepodge after that. They've they've played a bunch of different guys trying to move people around. In fact, they moved uh, Cutler, who had been playing tackle, to guard. Then they moved him to center. He's kind of been a jack-of-all-trades for them uh, as they try to figure out who the best five guys on the line are. So it's really hard to – to tell what they're trying to do because they've played so many guys in so many different positions. Yeah. The 12 guys they have lift, listed on the two deep. They're either freshman or sophomore, 11 or freshman or sophomore, one junior. Yeah. So. They've got, they do have one interesting player and you, you, I think you were talking about it. Stacy Wilkins. He's a six, six. Uh, I think you had him listed at three sixteen guy. He's a transfer from Oklahoma. He was a, like a really high recruit that never really played at Oklahoma and he's, he's transferred into ULM and they've gotten him some playing time. And they, like I said, they've mixed a handful of guys uh, after that, just trying to figure out who the best, the best five on the offensive line are. Stacy. What's his last name again? Wilkins, I believe is what I had. Okay. I'm not even showing him on the two deep right now. This is oh. their depth chart as of September 20th. So. Very interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. He so. did play, uh, and I don't know if he played in the Alabama game. He may have gotten hurt before that, but I know he did play earlier in the season. Okay, good enough. Uh, Dave, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the defensive side of the ball and uh, and see what we have there. You've been listening. We're talking tonight with Craig Molossan and Dave Amato. <laughs> Welcome back into We're Talking Tonight. Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. We're talking Cajuns at Warhawks this weekend. Dave, let's get to the uh, the uh, defensive side of the ball. What are the Warhawks like to play? Yeah, so they, they usually play three down linemen. They usually go with three linebackers, and they've got a guy who's kind of a hybrid, plays a little bit defensive end or a linebacker. They'll move him around. He can play both on the line and, and middle. And then they do the same thing with kind of uh, a star position in the backfield as a safe, an extra safety when they need a nickel or a, an extra defensive back. So they, they kind of have some multiple sets that they like to run, but their three main guys on the defensive line are, you know, pretty good players. Um, they've, they've kind of been two of them came back from last year. So they've got, they've got some talent on the defense. 
oh i <laughs> just sorry i clicked on a wrong link here but uh what where where do you think uh what are they big up front or as you know what are they gonna what are, yeah what, so so what's interesting they've got they've got caleb thomas who's a who's their their big guy but he's not a big tall guy he's six foot three of six he's the nose tackle he's He's kind of like the the beef in the front. I kind of compare him to uh, a guy I like to talk about a lot that played for us a few years ago, uh, Derek Dean. Um, big, you know, short, kind of bowling ball type guy. Um, they have Seth Mason, who's kind of one of their defensive ends, and then Quincy Lede is the other guy, probably plays a defensive tackle, defensive end position. Uh, Thomas is a transfer from UConn who played the last couple of seasons for, uh, for ULM. And he's a, he's a solid player. Lede played eight games as a true freshman for him. And then uh, Mason had a, about four starts for him last year. So it's a, it's a, a group of guys who have played a little uh, only one of them was a main starter. The other ones kind of came in and started a few games here or there. Uh, it's a solid group of defensive linemen. But it's it's not the striking the defense, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, you know, and it's hard to tell by these guys just by numbers, but it looks like yeah. the the guys that are leading tacklers. And well, let me just go ahead and click on his name because you don't want to make an assumption. All right, he's a linebacker, but you'd think number two would be a defensive back. But and I realize <laughs> we're not in the NFL days not anymore. Yeah, not anymore. People, yeah, you got all kind of crazy numbers all over the place. So, what about their linebacker position? I just brought up that uh, Tristan uh, Driggers. Yeah, uh, is I, their leading tackler. Yeah, so I, on the defensive side of the ball, the strength on this team is at the linebacker position. Uh, they bring back a guy who's a really good player for them, uh, Zach Woodard. A 6'1", 237 pound senior, and he was second on the team in tackles last year. He's gotten off to a bit of a slow start with only eight tackles this season, but he's a really good guy, and I, I expect he'll be a, uh, a you know an all conference, probably second or third team guy by the end of the season. But the guy who's really stepped up for him is the guy you mentioned, uh, Tristan uh, Driggers. He's a six foot, two hundred two pound JUCO transfer, but he's got twelve tackles on the season. Um, what's really interesting is he's got three picks on the season. Yeah. I was looking at one in each game. That's an one amazing. in every game. Yeah. He's, he's really played well for them this year, uh, right out of the gate. And like I said, if he is as good as he's been in the first three games and the other two guys, uh, Zach Woodard, who I already mentioned, and then another one who's a returner. Uh, from last year, who was a pretty good, he had 56 tackles last year, Quay Drake. Um, if those guys play up to their capabilities, that the strength of this team is in the middle group of this defense. What about on the defensive backside there? Yeah, this is, uh, this is kind of similar to the, the, the defensive line, except that they don't have any experience there. Um, they actually lost pretty much everybody but one player from the starting group that they had last year. Um, so they've kind of they've kind of mixed in some new guys. Uh, Lou Tillery, a 5'11 cornerback, uh, and Deuce Mayberry, 6'1, have been the main guys at corner. 
Mayberry's a transfer from Kansas who played in 21 games and started four for Kansas. So he's a guy that has some experience playing. Um, they're going to be the main cornerback guys. Uh, they do bring in a guy at, I mentioned the star position, which is kind of nickel or safety comes in Jordan Riley. He's the only returner uh, from last year's team in that defensive backfield. And he can play that third corner or even move to a kind of a safety hybrid position. Good deal. Um, let's talk special teams though. Cause that, I, those are the, the positions that I find most intriguing when you're playing someone, uh, let's face it, the Cajuns uh, coming into the thing, we thought they were a much superior team than, than Rice or ULM. And, and we're finding out uh, the team is struggling in some ways. And this is where ULM ha- can, can cause havoc in, in a game. What do they have on the, on the kick return team? Yeah, so they uh, so their return specialist Boogie Knight is their punt returner, and he's only returned one punt this season, uh, mostly because he's either fair caught him or in in the Alabama and Texas games he hasn't had to worry about it because they they really weren't stopping anybody. Um, but Boogie Knight's a you know he's an explosive player and he's a guy. Here's the thing about Boogie Knight he's not going to fumble the ball, right? He's going to make the catch on punt return, which is the most important thing, right? Anything he gets after that is just gravy for them. And and Boogie is a guy who can do some special things once he catches the ball. So, so yeah, they've got a good one on a punt return. Boogie Knight was their main kick returner last year, but they've kind of played like three different guys returning uh, kickoffs this year, including Boogie Knight, a backup running back, Bennett Galloway, and uh, a wide receiver, All Red Luke, have been kind of the three guys who have kind of split time. But none of them have special numbers. I mean, they've all been kind of limited in what they've done on the return game. But, but again, anytime Boogie Knight gets the ball in his hand, I'd be concerned that he has the ability to break some things. Punting, this is kind of odd to me. You've got a punter that has 21 uh, punt attempts. <laughs> which is uh, averaging seven per game per game, yeah. Uh, and forty three point two four is yeah. not bad, but then all of a sudden you got this other guy that's had three kicks in in, yeah. in the games, and he's he's only played in two, the Nichols and the Texas game, and he's he's averaging forty two, so it's not like it's it's bad, but that just seems odd to me. It yeah. does seem odd, and I looked at that too, and I when I put my 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 thing together on this I, I talked specifically about Devin uh, McCormick who's the guy with the 21 punts because he's been the main punter but there's not a lot of drop off between the two the difference is one's had 21 punts and one's had three um, but yeah no I mean they've I don't know why it's not like McCormick has done a poor job he's dropped five punts inside the 20 yard line he's got a 43 yard average he had a long of 57. He's, he seems to be a capable punter. Um, maybe it's the case that, you know, in some of these blowout games, they were just trying to give somebody else some playing time. But I don't know why you would do that when you've got a guy who clearly was doing a fine job. Well, I mean, the only thing I can see is uh, your first guy that has all the punts is a graduate uh, guy, and the, the second guy is a redshirt freshman. Yeah. So, again, it could be to your point 
that he's they're just trying to get him some playing time and again yeah. it was it, i'm sure it was uh without looking at it, i'm sure the he, he played in the Nichols game in the alabama game so it might have been late in the game late in the game yeah now they do have a pretty solid kicker on this team uh callum sutherland comes back from last year and he 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 won a couple of games for him last year i know he he hit one to beat jackson state i think he had one other late kick that won a game for him but he he was 12 of 16 last year with a long of 53. So he's got a big leg. Um, so he, he he's a weapon for them as a kicker. He's a really good one. Yeah, only uh, one attempt this year. Yeah. And that was uh, – um, I think I'm, it was a, it was a, mistake, a short one, right? Yeah, 20 to 29 yards. Yeah, so. yeah I knew – I thought it was – yeah, I think this year, I think that kick was actually, it was 25 yards. Yes, uh, it was. When I looked it up. But yeah, he's only one for one on the season with a very short kick. But last year, he was a he was a really good kicker. I mean, he like I said, he made 12 out of 16 kicks and he kicked one for 53. So he's he's got a big leg. He's a, and half of his kickoffs are touchbacks. So you know he's got a strong leg. Yeah, I was just about to say that uh, five touchbacks and, uh, and has also made every point PAT. So very nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I know we didn't talk about the game and I really don't want to talk about the rice game. <laughs> I've talked about it enough this week with I'm various sure peoples, but um, what do you want to see different out of the, out of this football team? I've asked everybody this and I'm, I just want to. Yeah. So I think there's a little bit, right. And I think we got a little spoiled in game one in the the way that both quarterbacks play right and, and I think we struggled early in game two and then we struggled mightily in game three um and I've never been a big fan of a two quarterback system right I almost feel like we need to have some consistency at quarterback and somebody's got to take that job and and own it right and I don't know who that's going to be I really don't um, and I know he's trying to give both guys a chance and give Ben his, his playing time. I almost feel like it interrupts the flow of the game when you start pulling the quarterback out. I almost wish he would go straight to one guy, make the decision who it's going to be, and try to stick with him. The other thing is I really want our offensive line to show some kind of – I know it's a struggling offensive line with a lot of moving parts and pieces – but we've got to go into a game and say, we're going to stick to the run and see what we can do. And I, I, I get upset, even though you're not rushing for huge yards like you had in the last three years, right? Four years. I almost feel like stick with it. We got a couple of guys who, and I've heard this from multiple people run angry, right? I think Jay was the first one who said that Kadobe runs angry. I think uh, I really like the way Draylon Washington came in and played. I almost wish uh, make the decision on who the two guys are going to be. You can have a third come in, but let's have some consistency. We seem to be changing multiple positions constantly, and it's really getting frustrating for me. Yeah, I just there are times too, and uh, that I, I get frustrated with uh, never taking a snap under center. And I understand yeah. you don't practice that, but at the same time. When you're running back starting seven yards deep, you know, just to get a pick up a yard, he's got to go eight. So, yeah, no, I, I, I definitely think that. And look, I think our defense played very well 
in every game we've played this season, including the Rice game, I think the problem in the Rice game was they were on the field way too long. Um, we got into bad situations on offense. We were giving the ball back to them, uh, and we weren't. We had short. We we had multiple drives that were three and outs. I mean, just quick punt, and then next thing you know, defense is back on the field. I need to see us be able to establish some kind of run game and and get a few first downs and get that de- keep that defense off the field. When the defense is playing well, we are a very good defense. The problem is in that Rice game, they want to field way too long. Yeah, we had our first three possessions were three and outs. Yeah. Uh, and then, then you go to seven, then you go to four, then back to three, and then seven. You know, but there, there were I, I think there were two keys to the game. One, I think the the hold, which I, I still haven't oh seen the play on, on Johnny Lumpkin. He just like he looked like he finished the play. He did what he was taught. He just manhandled the guy and did what he did so yeah. well at that. I think the, the 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 referee thought it had to be a hold. Even the announcers, they, they showed it afterwards, and the announcers said the exact same thing that you said. They didn't see where it was. And I'll tell you, it was a killer. You are absolutely right. It was not a hold. The next possession that Rice had the ball, they scored, and there was a hold on a third and long that was not called, and it was just the opposite, right? They completely missed that call. And Rice got the benefit of that call, and they completely missed the call against Johnny Lumpkin, and Rice got the benefit of that call. And I'm not going to be one who says, you know, the referees cost us to lose the game. We lost the game on our own. Yeah, the, those the, That was a huge part of that game. The other part about the hold was that, if you want to call it a hold, is that the play was already passed. Yeah. Johnny, I mean, that defender was not going to catch the running yeah. back. So, yeah, but, no but, the, but the other play, which the, the, which happened, I believe in the third of the fourth quarter, uh, Rice has a, a, a fourth and four and we, we either line up in the neutral zone or we're offsides yeah. and we give them a first down. Yeah, and, those, and those are the mistakes that, that you can't make in my opinion. That was, that was, yeah, some sloppy play. There was some, a lot of sloppy play on our part in that game. And that well, you're absolutely right on that. Uh, I did hear something this week on an interview with Crippa, uh, uh, who I, I completely agree with this statement. He he made this. I think this would be something he called in to Scott Prather uh, and mentioned Lance Lejeune yep. and why on short yardage plays do we not line him up behind center and let him just power his way through. Um, he's a, probably the most athletic guy in our in our quarterback room. Yeah. Now fourth and one, fourth and shorts, you know, almost in a t- line. It don't don't get in the pistol, don't get in the shotgun. Just put him behind center and tell him to just push forward. And, and I think we need to do more of that. I totally agree with you. Lining the quarterback up three to five yards behind the center and then handing it off and expecting us to get one or two yards is tough. But having a big physical quarterback who can just power his way through is probably a much better play. Well, I just think in in that situation, and I know we have a different head coach, and I'm not uh, uh, second guessing Coach Stez here, but 
you had a situation when Trey Regis was here. He he lined up in the Wildcat. So I don't yeah, even have I, a problem with if Lejeune does that because yeah. he can throw the ball. He gives us dual threat option there, gives a you, real. Yeah, so. gives you gives you a lot of different options when you've got a guy there. And maybe maybe to his point, he doesn't want to have a third quarterback, right? Yeah. yeah. But this would be a special package. This would be a taste of Hill package, right? It's yep. not that you're putting him Trey in Trey Regis package. Right. Or Trey Regis, right. You you're putting <laughs> him in for a no, you're putting him in for a specific play one or two times a game at that position. Everything else, look, I, I love the guy lining up at wide receiver. I think he's going to be a very capable wide receiver for us. Um, but I think there's so many things that we we're just trying new things. And I look, if you're gonna do it, do it in the first three games, right? If you're going to try something, it's time to start having some consistency with your offense and your defense because now it's conference play, right? You you can't have those mistakes that you had against Rice. You can't have those mistakes that you had against EMU in the first half. You've got to be ready because every game from here on out is the biggest game of the season. Absolutely. All right, man. Any last words of, uh, I hate to say wisdom from us two, but any no, last words of no, there's, there's no wisdom, uh, when, when we're on the call together, but, but I, I yeah, no, I, I, I look at here. I think I said it and you said it, um, that game hurt. The game was tough. Nobody liked the outcome, but it did not change what the ultimate goal is, right? And the ultimate goal is to win the West. That is the goal that's on the table that they've got to do. So the, this is week one of the season. Go beat ULM and worry about everything else after that, right? And I think I think Des will have them ready. I truly believe that they're going to come out fired up. I think this team is going to win. I think they're going to win by probably two scores, if not more. And I think we're gonna we're gonna all come back down and say, okay. <laughs> We're, we're, we're not as bad as we looked against Rice, and maybe we're not as good as we looked in the second half against the EMU, but we are a team that's got some opportunities to, to hit the goals that were set in front of them when the season started. Absolutely. I hope, I hope you're correct on all accounts. So, <laughs> Well, well let's, let's pray I am because uh, we need it because we can't have two weeks like we've had, two weeks in a row like we had this week. Absolutely. I'm, I, I, I might I might have to start drinking more. Uh, yeah, I hate for that to happen. <laughs> and I know your wife does not want that to happen. So no, no, she does not want that to happen. So all right, Dave. We'll all chat right, with sir. you next week. So sounds good. You've been listening. We're talking with Craig Malasa and Dave Amato. We've been talking raging Cajun football. Cajuns head up to ULM this weekend, 7 p.m. kickoff. Catch the radio broadcast on ESPN 1420. And I want to say, uh, well, I, there's an FM station, but I won't say it so because I don't remember it. So have a good weekend. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.